This podcast is not suitable for work. If you're under the age of 18, kindly and with all due respect, get the fuck out. I mean it. Go on. Bye-bye. Mm-mm. See you later. This isn't for you. Nope. Mm-mm. America has a strange relationship with sex. We're obsessed with it, but it terrifies us. We censor it because it's constantly being shoved down our throats. But our dirty little secret is we like things shoved down our throats, especially when we're in bondage or we're wearing leather or being slapped around a little bit. And, oh, <clears throat> I'm Sunny Megatron. Join Ken Melvoinberg and I as we explore, dissect, and demystify American sex. Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness, American Sex, with Ken Melvoin Berg and Sonny Megatron. Hi, Ken. Are we starting? I just said one, two, three, and I'm turning it on. You didn't say, let's, oh, oh Jesus Christ, for fuck's sake. I, I told you this time. <laughs> okay. So I'm super excited about the show today, more than normal, because uh, first of all, I have to admit something that the person that we are interviewing today, Allison Moon, contacted us, I want to say minutes before it was on my to-do list to contact her. Yeah, it was like a cosmic, psychic, mind meld, destiny It really was. And, and you know what? The hottest thing happened during the interview here, and I don't think that Allison would even recognize it as being hot right away, you know, other than the fact that, you know, she's an intellectually inclined person and that she used the word grok. Oh, and, okay. and I was like, did I forget? Were you under the table eating me out? Like what happened? <laughs> no, I wasn't. But we could totally do that for another episode. But she used the word grok, which is from stranger in a strange land. And it means to sort of internally grasp and understand something without needing to have an overt explanation and it's sort of a weird word that's only uh that heinland fans would understand it's like you have a fetish for weird words i I totally do do you really i do so speaking of fetishes let's talk about some of the more interesting fetishes that are out there now some of these we actually used on our show sex with sunny megatron specifically uh i want to say it's like five for microphilia for microphilia what is it what is it ken that's the arousal to insects specifically uh it is arousal to ants uh but it is it is inclusive of all other insects except for melisophilia correct that is bees and wasps and i just watched that weird video today did you watch that on the wasp the guy like clearing out the wasp nest no i wonder if he has melissa is it melisophilia or melissophilia melissa melissa if you're listening we have a fetish for you it is melissophilia (laughs) okay because i feel weird saying melissophilia so i'm like i'm gonna say melissophilia because then it would be like it is melissophilia i could have like ashleyphilia or jennifer Philia or Mike I've got, Philia. Some, I've got some Ashley Philia of right. so many different levels. I can do Ashley some... Manta, we're going to have you on our show <laughs> oh, at some yeah. point. I can do some Ken Philia right now. Do it. How does it feel? Feels. It feels. If it was a little bit more lube, it'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give me an, give me another fetish. Okay. Um, Algmatophilia. Arousal to statues. Ooh, erect statues. <laughs> yes. Like, so, in in by the way, so like they have the uh, Michelangelo's David. They make uh, leggings in that now, so that you can have stone cock and balls printed on your leggings, which I thought was kind of oh, cool. I, I've seen that. Okay, here's one. Europhilia. No, Europhilia. Europhilia. <laughs> and what is Europhilia? It's urine. It's urine. I like. I like peepee can. I like pee pee can. You like pee pee can? I do like pee pee can, but only if pee pee can. This is my horse. My horse is amazing. <laughs> I only like pee pee can if I'm putting the pee pee on Ken. I don't want Ken to put the pee pee on me because I'm not into that. No, it's kind but of But I'll like, pee on you. Yes, and this is going to disgust and fascinate some of our listeners, but I actually like peeing on people and getting peed on. It's like kind of one of my things, and specifically if I'm wearing a Donald Trump mask, love getting peed on by large amounts of women just saying that's a thing next one xylophilia arousal to wood <laughs> those jokes just write themselves i want i want to i want a xylophone philia so that brings us into sort of another funny one to which is arousal to tickling other people 
I've I've talked to somebody who had that fetish, and it was actually a lot of like I don't actually. like tickling. I mean, I I guess I no, you like tickling. No, I like people, to tickle. I don't like, like to, to be, be the tickly. Yes. That's yeah, and it's yeah, it's you pretty the interesting. Tickler, there's a lot of tickler. there's a lot of really good like tickle porn websites. So listeners, go Google some tickle porn websites. You will be delighted. Uh, next one. This is great for the furries. Autoplushophilia, and this is arousal to oneself dressed as a giant cartoon-like stuffed animal. So, okay, so it's not like, oh, there's a stuffed animal or a stuffed person animal, but it's actually yourself. It's like masturbation. Yeah, it's you being dressed up as that. Okay. Uh, Another one, and this is one if you're... So when we go on vacation, sometimes one of the things that we do is we go to like caves and caverns. Oh, yeah. And there is actually a fetish for that chasmophilia which is arousal to caverns crevices and valleys hey, i like your crevices and valleys i was just gonna say come close you can hear the echo 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 <laughs> <laughs> and sort of related to that is climacophilia which is arousal to falling downstairs <laughs> this is the one thing that our president has apparently and he is deathly afraid of falling downstairs no, because he he's so pho- aroused he has the phobia oh maybe he does have the philia he just maybe doesn't, doesn't want to have a boner Maybe I, you know what, Ken? If he was, doesn't give a shit. He'll grab you by the pussy. That's he'll, true. Yeah, he has he has climactophobia. I would say. I would say you are correct. Frauderism uh, is the next one we're going to talk about. That's arousal to touching a stranger surreptitiously in a crowded in a crowded place. That one is not good. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about it is fine. Doing it is non-consensual. Well, I mean, unless, unless. They're not a stranger if you've had consent. Yeah. Okay. They're not a stranger. But it's kind of like consensual non-consent. Like, let's say, you know how you I'm can. I'm wearing red. I'm on the L. No, 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 Ken. Let's say you and I were to get a, on a crowded L train at rush hour, right? Okay. And we're going to be like, Ken, we're role playing that we're strangers. That's fine. As then long that's as it's, okay. As right. Long as it is exactly. Control. Exactly. Oh, here, here. Where's the one? Uh, uh, the, oh, fuck. It begins with an S. Stigophilia. I, am I pronouncing it right now? Not even close. Stigiophilia. 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 I just want to pronounce all these words and like have you make fun of me because. Stigolophilia? Stigio. Stigio. Stigiophilia. The arousal to the thought of hellfire Hellfire and damnation, like seventh circle of hell porn. Which is why that's a reference to Stygia, which Uh, is one of the levels of hell. I get it. Uh, Like one of the other good ones that we have here is, and this is interesting, Pigophilia, which is, I like big butts and and I cannot lie. lie. Uh, oh. pubophilia, arousal to pubic hair. So <laughs> when I read that, I thought it said pueblophilia. So, so, so you know what I have to, you know what I have to mention here. If we're talking about this particular fetish, is the Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Oh yeah. All right. So the Abraham Lincoln is a sex act along the lines of a dirty Sanchez. This is where you shave off all your pubic hair, hide it behind your back. You're getting head from another person, and you either squirt or come all over their face. And if they don't, and like first of all, I need to mention person can't have a beard to begin with because then you take the pubic hair you throw it on the person's face that has the jizz all over them and then adorn them with a top hat and they look just like abraham lincoln and this is a disclaimer it's an urban dictionary thing i don't think people really do that and if you did it would be non-consensual so you'd have to like plan it out and it would you know steal some of the it's still funny steal some of the abraham lincoln thunder yes Ooh, oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, wait, well, Abrophilia? Yeah. Abr- Lincolnphilia? We, we better check out the Latin prefix for that because Abro might be something <laughs> awful that, like, we don't. It might be, like, attraction to clown poo and you just don't know what it is. And like, the, the clowns are okay. I know poo, though. I'm not, that would be coprophilia. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, all right. All right. Last one that we want to talk about here is. Terenphilia. That's with a silent P, because P should be silent. And Terranophilia is arousal to being tickled by feathers, specifically by feathers. So now, what if we had an arousal to entering giveaways for sex toys? Would it be giveawayophilia, maybe? Yes, it would be. (laughs) Those of you out there with giveawayophilia, 
You must know that this month's American Sex Podcast giveaway is sponsored by Castle Megastore. So if you don't know, every month we give away a sex toy or sex accessory. This year, Castle Megastore, or this year, this This month, this month, (laughs) I have fuck up my word Ophelia, this month... Castle Megastore has so graciously supplied a harness glass dildo. So if you go to SunnyMegatron.com backslash harness giveaway, you can enter. And Castle Megastore is also doing a giveaway. Ken, what's their giveaway? Well, Castle Megastore is giving away the Lalo Sona and the Lalo Sona Cruise to two winners this month also. You're automatically entered into the drawing when you make a purchase at CastleMegastore.com. So when you do that, remember to use your 20% off disco, a disco code. Wait, no, that's, what's the disco? Okay. Okay. So when you do that, remember to use your 20% off discount code SUNNY. That's S-U-N-N-Y. And don't forget about that Explore More Summit Bodies Edition. It starts on December 4th. It's what it is, a sexuality educator and coach and host of the awesome Sex Gets Real podcast, Dawn Sarah. She was our guest like two weeks ago. She hosts this free summit. So it is absolutely free. Go sign up at exploremoresummit.com. And listeners, thanks again for reviewing our podcast, for supporting us, for subscribing. Keep it up. And if you want to support us even more, visit our sponsors and affiliates. To get a full list of all of our affiliates, go to sunnymegatron.com and in the footer has all of our ads there. Buy from one of those people and we get a percentage. So that is awesome. And also, if you want to buy your Amazon Echo, remember, go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y backslash Sunny Echo and we get a percentage of that too. And now on to Allison Moon. Allison is the author of the award-winning sex ed book, Girl Sex 101, the tales of the pack series of novels about lesbian werewolves, and the sexual memoir, Bad Dyke. As a sex educator, Allison has presented her workshops to thousands of people around the U.S. and Canada. Hey, Allison. And that's how we start, Allison, almost all the time. And we leave this in the podcast. It's like, was, bam, we're on. I no, like no warning for, for yeah. an introduction. No foreplay. She's like a 13-year-old boy. It I just know. like slams it right I know. in. I know. I loop for that. I'm so sad. Well, maybe over the course of our conversation, you can teach me how to be a little bit more, you know, have a little bit of the foreplay and get some moves there. Maybe you need to read Girl Sex 101 again. Yeah. Oh, maybe I do. <laughs> all right. <laughs> And there's Ken sliding it in all nice and easy with our little segue. So Allison Moon, you do all sorts of brilliant things. And one of the most recent, the many most recent is this fabulous book, Girl Sex 101. This is hands down the my favorite sex ed book. It is the best book on anything sex it's amazing oh thanks well you're welcome for and i'm actually holding it right i'm like caressing it um for the readers who can't see but in our show notes it's kind of like her bible it kind of is um for the readers who can't see go to the show notes and you can see a picture of it's a big book it's like what almost 400 pages it's got beautiful illustrations and can you tell me a little bit about like the setup of the book the structure of like the road trip but the sex ed how does it all fit together Yeah. So basically the idea is that I wanted to take people on a journey through, you know, female sex, queer sex. And, um, and so I decided to kind of start with the basics. I think a lot of sex guides tend to start a little bit too, too far down the road a little bit in terms of I wanted to talk about flirting. I wanted to talk about finding other queer women. I wanted to talk about a lot of different things that are really basic because I think sometimes that's the hardest stuff to do. I think in terms of sex, sometimes we can be like, okay, I kind of get the mechanics. But the hard part of like talking to a pretty girl is like sometimes way harder than, you know, cunnilingus. Um, Yeah, I still need, I'm like, I'm really good at eating people out, but like flirting with them and actually like getting to the point of being able to eat them out that's what i have the problem with exactly and i think that's a really common thing especially because i mean the book is written for queer women or women who like women but at the same time i think about half my readers are men um because again there everybody has a lot of or people tend to have a lot of anxiety about approaching cute people and especially girls we're not really taught how to be the 
actor to be the the one who approaches. And so when you're women with women, it's really hard to figure out who's the one who does the approach and who's the one who offers to buy the drink and who's the one yes. that t- you know asks if you want to come upstairs. All of this becomes really complicated. Um, so I wanted to try and start with the basics and then move almost like through a natural progression of like, so we start with flirting and then we get to communication and consent. And then we start talking about, you know, ha- hand sex and breasts. And then we start talking about cunnilingus. And so really this kind of natural progression of one concept building on the other um, until we get to it, like at, towards the end, we talk about long-term relationships and identity and all these, you know, more sophisticated ideas of you know, what it means to be in relationship with people. Um, and so that's all, those are all the kind of nonfiction elements. And then each chapter is introduced with a story. And so we have these two main characters that are going on a road trip and, um, and they encounter a lot of sexy opportunities. And so each chapter or each section of the road trip story kind of elucidates what's going to happen in the rest of the chapter. So in the Cunnilingus chapter, you know, both of the main characters eat somebody out, right? And so you get a little <laughs> bit sense of like how it works in quote unquote real life. Uh, cause I think again, a lot of, uh, sex ed guides are, are a little bit sterile in terms of like now insert tab A into slot B. And they don't actually talk about how hard it is to maybe ask somebody to move when they're on your hair or, you know, to, to yeah. stop sex when you're not feeling good about something. And I think it's helpful to have story to kind of elucidate how you can do that stuff, um, in a real life situation. You know what? I think it's in addition to that. I I really like that you added some useful roadmap information in there for trans women specifically because it's really hard to find good information about things like muffing, for example. Yes. Now it's uh, and I'm, I'm when I throw around a word like muffing, a lot of times some people may not know what that is. Can you kind of elaborate on that for us? Sure. Yeah. So muffing is a technique. Uh, kind of designed and originated by trans women, where it's penetration of the inguinal canal, uh, usually digitally. So usually like fingering somebody's inguinal canal. Um, and basically the inguinal canal is where the spermatic cord um, comes through. And so on people who were assigned male at birth, they tend to have larger inguinal canals because they have to have that spermatic cord basically lead from the testes up into the, the pelvis of the body. And so when you're, you know, when you're just before you're born, it's where your testes descend through. Um, so some people really enjoy the experience of being penetrated. And if you haven't had uh, sexual reassignment surgery or sexual affirmation surgery, so if you don't have a vagina installed surgically, but you still want to feel penetrated, uh, some people enjoy the inguinal canal as a way of penetrating. Um, it's a little bit more sophisticated of a technique because you have to be able to find it. And some people find it kind of weirdly, un- like kind of uncomfortable at first, but at the same time, some people really like it. Um, so I talk a little bit about it in Girl Sex 101. And I was introduced to the idea in a really fantastic zine called Fucking Trans Women. Uh, And it's a really short little zine by Mira Bellwether. And I strongly recommend it for anybody who's either a trans woman or and or having sex with trans women, because it just kind of is a no nonsense guide to like how to do fun things. Um, And I was really inspired by that zine, because I knew that for this book to really be as progressive and as affirming as I wanted it to be for all women, I had to include a lot of techniques for trans women, whether or not they'd had bottom surgery. Um, and so that was really fun. It was a challenge, but it was really fun. And I believe that Girl Sex 101 is still the only guide for female sex that actually includes trans women throughout the book. Yeah, pretty consistently. So I, I might like add to that. It's um, in just an incredible book. It really is amazing what you've done with this, the response to it is incredible. And I understand that it's getting translated into uh, at least a couple different languages. Is that true? Yeah, it's out in Spanish now, Sexe Entre Mujeres. Um, and that's really <laughs> exciting. Yeah, it was kind of because the concept of 101 doesn't really translate. So uh, Sexo Entre Mujeres, which was translated by a sexologist from Mexico named Lorena Olvera. And so she did a great job. Um, and it's also being translated into French uh, as we speak and hopefully Russian um, this year as well. Um, nice. Yeah, the Russian one's actually more of a, of a public service. I had somebody reach out to me saying that, you know, women in the Ukraine and Russia need, especially queer women, they need all the help they can get. And right. so, oh, they, very re- much so they reached out to me and I was like, you know, this is this is kind of abnormal for me. I wouldn't necessarily say like take sections of the book and translate it. But again, it's really more for getting this information out there, letting people know that they're not alone, and helping people understand their bodies and the bodies of their lovers more. And so if I can just 
if, if anybody can do that, I really want to help get that word out into as many different languages as possible. Are, are there any plans to make it into an audiobook? I have the intention of doing that. It's because the book is so kind of a complex uh, organization of things, the story, and then there's a lot of intermediate. There's a lot of like me interrupting myself in the book. Um, <laughs> I haven't quite figured out how to remediate it in that way, um, but I do intend to turn it into an audiobook because I absolutely think that audiobooks are really wonderful, um, accessible books for a lot of people who couldn't otherwise read books um, or just prefer listening to their information as opposed to reading it. Uh, so that will definitely be a project that I will undertake in 2018. We'll see how well it goes. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, one thing, you know, you were saying that how the book so beautifully melds kind of the emotional intelligence and kind of the day-to-day -day stuff with the mechanics and the diagrams and the anatomy and the stuff that's normally kind of dry. And when I first read the book, I immediately was like, oh my God, this is the sex ed that I wish I had. This is the sex ed that I wish existed. And I went immediately to my teenage daughter who is genderqueer and pansexual. And I was like, here. <laughs> like, oh, I bestow this upon you. This is the Bible. It will be upon the shelf. You know, if there's anything that you ever have a question about that you ever need, even though, you know, we all talk pretty openly and I'm a sexuality educator, I'm still her mom. And, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes things are awkward. So it's like, if you ever need the book, just take it off the shelf. I won't, you know. And there have been times where she was having, you know, like drama with her friends kind of thing. And I was like, let's open up Allison's book. <laughs> and, you know, because you've got like lesbian drama and like all sorts of things that are covered in there, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a whole section about that, about, yeah, dyke drama, as we call it in the community. Um, yeah. And I, again, this is the stuff that actually I think really matters in terms of, again, mechanics are very important. Anatomy is very important. But sex is not just an isolated act that you do with one person in a bedroom. It's, it's integrated into all of all aspects of our lives. And so being able to talk about identity and being able to talk about, you know, just compassionate relationships, being able to talk about platonic relationships, all in the, in the realm of that is really important. Mm -hmm. And now did you have, uh, when you wrote it, did you have a certain age? And because when I read it, I'm like, it's good for everybody. But I really see like, you know, young adults really getting a lot out of this that are just discovering their sexuality or kind of contemplating, you know, what is my gender identity? Is that who, who you envision when you wrote this? Or is it for kind of everybody? Well, I wrote the book that like you said, I the book that I would have wanted when I was first coming out the book that I would have wanted when I was just figuring stuff out. And so I wrote in that idea of writing to my younger self, the things that I would have need to that I, the things that I would have appreciated knowing growing up. So yes, it certainly is aimed towards like kind of a baby dyke or a newly out person. Um, but at the same time, I think the information does really transcend. And so I encourage people to you know I've had a lot of parents reach out to me asking them like Is this book appropriate for my children? And I'm like, well, like you do, I think Sunny is a great idea. Like have the resource available in your home, and then when kids are ready, they're they'll often seek it out. So I have like right. people like put it on their bookshelves and then have the kids just know that like it's there when they when the kid's ready. And again, a lot of kids, they don't seek out information that they're not really ready for, or they kind of mm -hmm. have an internal sense of ew versus oh. And so when it switches from ew to oh is usually when that's like a yes. good time to introduce your children to those concepts. You know, it's funny that you say that because I remember there was a conversation about, I think, dental dams. And this was a few years ago and somehow safer sex came up and condoms weren't ew. But then I was like, hey, do you know about dental dams? No, what are those? And I started, and it was like, oh, 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 no, no. And I was like, all right, I'll shut up. And then like a year and a half later, it was like, remember we were talking about dental dams? I'm like, I have one here. Would you like to see it? Well, yes, I would. And then we had the screen. It was like, oh, so I know exactly what you mean from ooh to oh. Absolutely. That should be a book from ooh to oh. That's actually a really good idea. Yeah, that'd be great. That's like the puberty model for things. Yeah. 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 Do you know what's ironic about that? I think she started off at Scarlet. Like we gave her the accessibility to go to scarletine.com uh, for uh, Heather Corinna's website for young teens about sex and sexuality. And she sort of graduated from that to Girl Sex 101. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah and that's, I wanted the tone to be that kind of big sisterly kind of advice too. I find that a lot of 
again, like sex is can be really scary for people. And a lot of books can be very dry and can be not fun to read them. I wanted a book that was really fun to read and kind of felt like, again, like just having a good conversation with a big sister was way more important to me in terms of making people feel like they could feel safe in the material. Mm -hmm. So since this is the sex education that I think everybody should have had or should have, is there any plans to make a book like this that includes people that identify as men? You know, I when I first kickstarted Girl Sex 101, I had a couple people email me saying, so where's Guy Sex 101? And I would love to write that book. I don't think I'm the person to write that book. Um, but I am working on a new book right now that's all about hooking up for people of all different genders. And so oh. I, I, I wanted a book where it's like, I, I think that there's a lot, there's a lot of information out there about like hookup culture and oh no it's so bad hookup culture and like fine sure um however if you want to have casual sex without ruining each other's lives here's how you can try and do it because i think that that's a really hard thing for a lot of people to grok that you can have healthy casual sex without it having to be dangerous or scary or right. damaging um and or have you compared to what like a chewed up piece of gum yes they used to tell tell us and like sex ed like your virginity is a nice piece of juicy fruit gum and then you know once <laughs> once you let someone chew your gum it loses its flavor and who wants to chew use gum you <laughs> slut you know yeah. it was like oh my god you know what i've actually heard you say that before in an snm scene to somebody now i now i understand really was i like Talia, like yes. consensually like <laughs> slut shaming Oh, that's awesome. That, that's funny. I, like, I'm like, want to remediate all of my horrible messaging from youth into domination scenes. Now. Yes. Yeah, my don't mom, run with scissors. Yeah, my mom. Had, Your gave face me is the, gonna stay like that. <laughs> <laughs> Your face is gonna stay like that. I like that one. Yeah, no, my my, my mom had the um the uh, putting your finger in soup metaphor. Have you ever heard that one? No, no. I'm like that's either weird or sexy. I can't decide. It's, it's or what, definitely what is weird. It? So it's the idea that women are soup and men are fingers, and if you put your finger in soup, you can just wipe off your finger, but the soup will never be the same. Oh no, you have finger germs in you forever. Yeah, I got that. So you from... shouldn't let someone finger bang your soup. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to dip my dick in clam chowder now. Like I, <laughs> that sounds like wow. wet, well, wet wait, and messy. Manhattan awesome. or New England? New England. Oh yeah, New England. yeah. That's that's. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. All right. So here's what's going to happen. Um, we're going to take a little break, but you are the queen of learning how to drive a Volvo. Mm. So when we get back from break, I I want some driving lessons. Yeah, you got right? it. Cool. Listen up. I'm going to tell you how you can support American Sex Podcasts by doing something you're already going to do anyway. See, Ken and I are loving our Amazon Alexa products. So why not purchase your own for the holidays using our affiliate code? That way, you get something cool and we get a percentage of your sale. And what's even better is Alexa products are on sale right now for the holidays. The Echo Dot is marked down 40% to $29.99. What can you do with Amazon Alexa? You can voice control your music, have it turn your lights on and off, call people, call an Uber, find your phone when it's lost, play games, order a pizza. You can even program it to tell your spouse to go fuck themselves at full volume at 3 a.m. And yes, okay, maybe we've done that. We also named our living room smart bulb my pussy. So we're screaming, Alexa, turn on my pussy and Alexa, make my pussy blue constantly. Well, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Alexa can do so much. So please. Give a boost to American Sex Podcast this holiday season with products from the Alexa family. To order an Echo Dot, use our affiliate link, bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y, backslash Sunny Echo Dot. To order the Echo, the link is bit.ly backslash Sunny Alexa. And to order the Echo Plus, it's bit.ly backslash Sunny Echo Plus. Simple. And if you miss those links, check our show notes. Now, Alexa, thank the listeners. Thank you for supporting American Sex Podcast. My name is Alexa and I can be yours. So get your ass in gear and use those affiliate links. Thanks, Alexa. I love you. Thanks. It's good to be appreciated. Cat. 
Castle Megastore. Once you see their sex toys, you'll want more. I have no idea if Castle Megastore actually has a theme song, but I really dig Castle Megastore. So that's my gift to you, Castle, your very own theme song. And you, listeners, get a gift, too. If you go to CastleMegastore.com and use discount code SUNNY, that's S-U-N-N-Y, when you check out, you will receive 20% off your order. That's amazing! Castle Megastore. When you get your sex toys, you'll be on the floor because you'll be using them so much and they'll be so awesome and you'll save so much money, you'll get more than one and then you'll climax for a really long time and you'll just be passed out and you'll be like, oh my god, give me water, those are the best orgasm ever. I know you're fancy, and I know you've been eyeing some of those luxury sex toys, haven't you, you frisky little fox? Well, I also know that you enjoy a good discount, don't you, dear? You now can get 20% off your entire order, plus free shipping, at luxury sex toy retailer Lalo.com with discount code SUNNY. Yes, dear, you heard me right. 20% off anything your little heart, or, well, other parts. Desire at L-E-L-O dot com using discount code S-U-N-N-Y. Yes, dear. You can thank me later. And we're back with Allison Moon. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) She knows me again. Hello. Hello. (laughs) And so he's looking at me like like I'm an alien. Keep going, transition man. You transitioned us so well into the beginning of the podcast. And now I fucked everything up, bringing it it back again. Just cancel it out. All right. So you have a class called How to Drive a Volvo, which A, is super duper clever pun. Thank you. um, And B, really, really necessary. So I have heard comparisons. Like you will hear people say, comparing penises to vaginas and vulvas, that, oh, penises are easy. (laughs) You know, you just got to brush them a little bit. They get hard and they come. No big deal. You look at a vulva and it's like, trying to operate the you know uh control panel of the space shuttle and it's so complicated and oh my god and nobody knows how to do it right a is is that true or b is that just the way we've been socialized to think and it's really not that complicated yeah i think that stereotype kind of hurts people of all genders because i think it reduces like penis sexuality to like something really simple and i've been with a lot of different penises and they all like different things and i think it's really sad to think that oh all you have to do is you know put in your mouth and swish it around a little bit and you're fine (laughs) Like it's, I don't know. Like I think that penises deserve a lot of love and attention too. Um, and I think vulvas can feel complicated. But I think a lot of that comes from a lack of anatomy awareness. Um, I think when I talk to people who aren't sex geeks, it's really amazing to see how little knowledge there is about anatomy outside of reproductive anatomy, even if mm-hmm. they got reproductive anatomy, right? So there's this notion that penetrative sex is the end-all be-all, that uh, a vagina is just essentially an inverted penis, right? And and that just completely ignores the role of the clitoris. And the the clitoris is truly the the organ to focus on if you want to focus on, uh, you know, pleasure for people who have vulvas. Now, some people like penetration more than clitoral st- stimulation. I don't. I don't want to suggest that that's not true. However, uh, most people with with vulvas, clitoris is the way to go. Right. Right. So now, first step here, like we're we're getting in the car. Mm-hmm. You're going to show us, like, here's the turn signal. Here's the, here's the stick shift. <laughs> yep, yep. What do we need to know about the clitoris? Because I know I know what we need to know about the clitoris. And I know when I tell people, it's like mind-blowing. Yeah. Like, what? My world has changed. Yeah. The sky is the ground. The ground is the sky. Up is down. So... Tell us about the internal clitoral structure yeah, and blow some minds. That's absolutely the the key, is that the clitoris is far more than meets the eye. Uh, that My favorite sex fact of all sex facts is that pound for pound, inch for inch, the clitoris has as much erectile tissue as the penis. Yes. The same amount. Most of the clitoris is just buried on the inside of the body, so you just don't see that erection. And so... 
if you want to understand how to give vulvas pleasure, you have to think in terms of that three dimensions. Uh, so it's not just the little bean that you see on the outside, thinking about stimulating the clitoris from the inside. And so one of the first keys is I talk about pressure. Um, because, and for me, like I am a woman who sleep, sleeps with women and for for the first many years of my sex life with women, I, even though I had all the same parts as most of the people I was sleeping with, uh, I still treated them like they were these like delicate flowers, like these little glass menagerie animals that if I handled them too roughly, they would break. Um, mm-hmm. And so I would be like delicate with their clitoris as opposed to like, you know, a firm loving touch. Now, not everybody likes being slapped around on the vulva, but, you know, holding like there's a technique that uh, Midori, who's a sex educator, calls the pussy hug. Oh, my God. We, we love, love the, the pussy, pussy hug. <laughs> oh, it is a we great talk about that in every one of our classes. Yes. Yes. It's amazing. Yes. It's, and that's the thing. It's like, it, and that's why I love the term, too, because it's uh, the pussy hug should feel like a hug. You know, if you've ever been hugged by somebody who's like super shitty with a hug with like noodly arms and like. Right. F- or like the side Christian hug. Yeah. And, and you feel <laughs> like. The, yeah. It's not the pussy side Christian hug. <laughs> Although that sounds kinky too. You could probably come it up does. with something about that. Um, but that's the thing like when you feel less hugged after the hug by somebody who gives really bad hugs. Um, a good hug, you know, feels firm and loving and present. And so the pussy hug should do the same thing where you're actually creating like firm, loving pressure on the whole vulva and like letting everything kind of wake up and get blood flowing, uh, that's really key. And so if you can start thinking in terms of like applying firm, loving pressure, it will change your your pussy game right away. So firm, loving pressure. Mm -hmm. Now, what about, I'm thinking of cunnilingus, Mm -hmm. okay? I have- It must be a Monday then. (laughs) (laughs) It must be every hour of every day. Um, No, I'm thinking actually about all of the really bad cunnilingus I've had in my life. I have had, and it's, you know, God, now that I think about it, it's all been men. (laughs) The women have been pretty good. (laughs) But I I would get um, the alphabet. Like, they would actually do the alphabet. And I was like- Oh, that's such an amateur move. Come on, you know. Um, Such a basic bitch move for well, those guys. Yeah. So the, I mean, and the <laughs> alphabet thing, it, it does get to a truth, though. I think it's 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 often misunderstood, but I think so. The idea, I think there's a kind of basic rule about vulva pleasure that the alphabet rule talks to, which is variety then consistency. Do a mm. bunch of different things until you find the thing that your partner likes, then keep doing that thing. Right. So if your partner is like really into J and then you're like, great, now I find that J works for my partner. I'm going to do J forever. Like right. forever. I'm Q. Like once they get yeah, to she's Q. Q. Like, Capital Q. Q. Capital Q. 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 <laughs> Q. Every once in a while, maybe a cursive. Throw it in there. You know? <laughs> but, but yeah. By the way, I just realized with vulvas, because they they are more than meets the eye, they're they're fucking transformers. You're Megatron. <laughs> I just realized you're the evil lord of all vaginas. Actual Megatron. <laughs> Look at that, guys. You, you, nice. you figured that out. Nice. I like it. No, but like, okay, so um, I think that's the key is consistency. Like, once you get to the point, like, like you were saying, at first, like, experiment around a little bit. You know, it's like we're getting to know you kind of like maybe you're just hanging out. And, but once you really get to like, all right, we got a rhythm going. We're getting serious. Like, mm-hmm. keep doing the thing. There's nothing worse when someone's like repetitively doing the thing and you're really getting into it and you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And then they like go down to the left. Yep. And you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I I wholeheartedly agree. Now with with cunnilingus, do we look like we do, or do we look like we would if we were in porn? Is porn cunnilingus <laughs> satisfying at all? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, porn pornilingus is a is a problematic thing for a lot of reasons. But I mean, so porn is a visual medium, right? So it you need to see the goods for porn to be really working. Unfortunately, cunnilingus does not look very interesting when it's done right. When your face is buried in somebody's pussy and you can't see any of the massive amounts of motion happening inside your mouth, so. 
I think they kind of deconstruct it a little bit. So it becomes the open face sandwich uh, of porn. And so you see kind of just the tongue and the ah from a distance, um, which might be visually appealing, but is not at all how a lot of people enjoy feeling cunnilingus. So so in cunnilingus, the pressure that is generated uh, with the pussy hug, you do with your face. And so that's one of the ways you can kind of isolate or and, and create pressure on the entire vulva and all that erectile tissue. And then you kind of isolate the clitoris inside your mouth so you can do all the fun things with it inside your mouth while your face is generating the kind of uh, support that your partner can hump against or move against to get the grindy sensations going. So like rather than thinking of the clitoris as like, oh, this is a lollipop that I'm licking. It's more like a Werther's original you're rolling around your mouth. (laughs) That is a weird representation of my grandma's candy dish and also um, totally accurate. Yes. Oh, God. And now I'm just like, oh, my God, what if your grandma called it like, hey, grandpa, come on over to grandma's candy. Like, I'm sorry, I just ruined every my worthers. My worthers. You you in the mood for some butterscotch? Yeah. yeah. So I I have a question. So as a beard owner, do you have any advice for cunnilingus and beard people? Beard? That's so interesting. So I my I've been encouraging my partner to grow a beard for a while now. He's not quite sure how he feels about it, but I like it. He's doing very well. It, by the he way, looks amazing he looks with amazing with the facial yeah, hair. He does. Keep I it. will. I appreciate Team that. facial hair. Yeah, just yeah. you know, little words of affirmation here and there never hurt. Um, I mean, you guys live in the Pacific Northwest now, yes. So, isn't that sort of a requirement? It is. For him? I, I told him that like, we would be kicked out if he didn't start growing. Beard. I might have to grow a beard if if we're not if we're here for too long. Yeah, you so, both have to wear plaid. That's oh, a rule, absolutely. And, which is like, actually, a, yeah. As as a mostly dyke person, I feel very confident in my wardrobe in the Pacific exactly. Northwest. Yeah, I, I, I fit in quite swimmingly here. Um, yeah, so that's interesting with the beard. So I know that a lot of one of the things that my partner says that he doesn't particularly love about the beard is he loves the feeling of the vulva on his face, and it actually desensitizes his face a little bit. So I think he uh-huh. does have to push a little bit harder through the mass of fur on his face to get the grindy sensation that he often is looking for, and that often creates the pressure on my vulva as well. Um so that's a little bit of a thing. It, and I think it kind of has to do with compatibility of facial hair to pubic hair, right? So if you, if you, like one of you is really furry and one of you is not, it can cause irritation on the other one. Oh, for I, sure. I pictured Velcro, like we're stuck yes. together. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I think that there needs to be a little bit of cushion of hair on both sides in order for it not to create irritation. Um, so yeah, if you're one of you is like, cl- you know, cl- cl- smooth and clean and the other one is hairy, that could be a little bit of an issue. Um, and I think the, only other thing that I've noticed far more is I mean his face definitely gets hotter like sweatier when he's down there for a while and sometimes it does create a certain flavor saving situation that mm-hmm. either I find sexy because I like the taste of my own genitals um, but at the same time like it's definitely moist when he comes up to kiss me <laughs> in a mm. new way I have to admit that's one of my favorite things yeah. after I go the down moist, on Sunny for a while no 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 just beer? no just the, the flavor saver for afterwards yeah. just that, that s- subtle hint yeah like two hours later you're like you lick oh, your yeah. lips and you're like oh well hello there I, I forgot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially when I'm away from you. It's a good reminder. Aww. Every Aww. time I leave, I'm just going to be like, you know, normally I like give you a peck on the cheek and be like, I love you. I'm just going to like rub my cunt across your face and be like, bye. <laughs> love you. Uh, hey, I'm for team. I am all for team rub against, you're rubbing your cunt against my face. I have That's a few awesome. times, though, just like walked by and stuck my hand on my pants and like rubbed it across your face. <laughs> but that felt, that felt more like a dirty Sanchez. It was. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> So, okay, one of the other um, acts, sex acts, that is very misunderstood, and I think because it's misunderstood, it's very, like, disregarded and underrated by people, is the scary-sounding fisting. Oh, sure. Which people think, they, they hear fisting, and immediately their mind goes, oh, my God, cunt punching. Yeah. And it's not cunt punching. So explain fisting and why it's fun and why also that misnomer that, like, I've had people say... I don't want to be with a girl that can be fisted because then it'd be like throwing a hot dog down a hallway. So talk to yeah. us about that. Oh my gosh. Like, so I, I really resist trying, like, I, I know that I can, as a sex educator, it's really important to be accessible to people and not to like make judgments, but man, that thing pisses me off. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, so fisting is basically just advanced fingering, right? It's just extra fingers for the most part. And so, um, 
it, the way to, f- to learn how to fist is just slowly over time taking more fingers as you go. And you can do this to yourself. You can do this to your partner. Um, and just kind of expanding and exploring. And what the vagina is, you know, has evolved to stretch and return to its natural size. It ha- It is capacious in all these amazing ways. And so as you get more comfortable with the, f- the feeling of sensation, as your, as your skin, skin and muscle learns to kind of accommodate girthier things, you'll find that fisting gets easier and easier. But it really is like you start with some fingers, then you add, you know, your fourth finger eventually, and then your thumb eventually. And you do it, the silent duck is exactly the right, you know, way of saying it. It's you're you're putting your four fingers or your five fingers together. um, And you're not creating a fist until you get inside, if then. And so mm-hmm. the the hand once it's you know it's it can be challenging girthy and girthy wise in terms of some of the like the the thumb gusset and the the widest part of the hand but once you get to that point once you're inside oftentimes your hand will naturally make a fist because of the depth of the vagina it kind of pushes your fingers up into curl over your thumb and now you have a fist inside but yeah you're not going from the outside with a full fist that's not how it works for the most part and and that's the thing like the vagina is is it's kind of amazing right like it's it really does expand and contract in these amazing ways and if you um really are aware of your pelvic floor muscles if you're aware of how your musculature can can soften and contract there's there's really no such thing as a vagina that gets so loose that it won't be pleasurable. It's really when you don't when you actually lose muscle tone. So if you have like, you know, if you've given birth and you've actually torn some muscles, it's going to take some while for your muscles to come back together, but they often will and they'll your vagina will be just as amazing and sexy as it was before. Um sometimes it takes a little time, but yeah, there's this notion of a hot dog down the hallway is just like a complete myth. I think it's it's the same it's the same kind of thinking that says like oh you're a piece of chewed up gum yeah, you know if you if you let somebody have sex with you you know yeah. it's it's ridiculous it's there's no truth to it right well it's like also like you hear that with like oh you know if you've had sex with a hundred men you're you know hot dog down the hallway I'm like well what if you've had sex with one man a hundred times how does that make it are you a slut now like come on now but it's they like, have to be different hot dogs <laughs> that's exactly the different <laughs> maybe one was a bratwurst or a jumbo polish sausage oh, then what like jumbo polish sausage yeah oh my goodness <laughs> no but I honestly used to think that like I am uh lippy is not the right word like my my outer lips or my labia majora are larger and meatier than my inner lips and when i was hitting puberty and i noticed myself getting like meatier and lippier i was like why is this and then you know when i started having sex i'm like oh am i am i lippier because i had like i stretched my vagina and mm-hmm. you know now i look back and i'm like that's ridiculous but i looked at it as like you know gauged ears or something like they just keep rah, sagging down and it's really sad what really bad sex as does to your head. Yeah. You know? And that's what happens when we don't have uh, like trustworthy adults teaching young people about this stuff. They rely on each other. And oftentimes it's just repeating silly rumors that aren't actually grounded in reality whatsoever. But yeah, a lot of people have a lot of body shame because they think their body's supposed to look a certain way. And that's just not how humans work. We are very complicated meat sacks and it's really okay to be the diversity of the body is really beautiful but if we only ever see one kind of body you know i think one of the things about the internet's been really useful is that yes you know mainstream porn can still represent certain specific kinds of bodies that aren't representative of all bodies however like the rise of amateur porn and yes. access that you get to start to see different kinds of bodies and different kinds of vulvas and penises and i think that's really a beautiful thing to realize oh my god my vulva looks like hers or you know my penis looks like his and that's kind of great to have yeah. that uh, ability of knowing like your body's not weird or broken. Your body is valid. It's just actually, I think it, one of the biggest things for us was going to conventions, especially in the Midwest where people are a little bit chunkier like us. Yeah. And just being able to see people that look more like us and have sort of the same philosophies as us and just being able to uh, express ourselves that way sexually. In right. fact, it was, you know, and I felt like an irresponsible adult at first when we did this. Do you remember the date we had when we used the horse speculum? Yes. And we're total D&D geeks. So one of the things that we decided to do was put in a horse speculum into Sunny, and then we threw a D20, and I actually hit her uh, cervix with it and critted. <laughs> I yes. literally got a he 20. I, on my cervix. 
and we could <laughs> and we could actually see the inside of it because we put like little glow sticks in it, and yes. so you have this great big silver tube going with all the way purple down. Purple glow sticks purple and glow a sticks. green D twenty rolling down and, and, my and you could see everything vagina. lit up in a way that I've never seen it before. And I worked in OBGYN, and it wow. was amazing. I've never seen the inside of a person look like that. It was incredible. That is so cool. <laughs> Yeah, horse, t- hey. horse speculums are awesome. Allison, <laughs> we don't have sex. We have science. science. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. I love that story. Thank you. And that's the oh, thing also. Not, o- not only is seeing different bodies enjoying pleasure, but like seeing different bodies be sexy. See different body, like see people turned on by chunkier people or shorter people or people with disabilities, like, and seeing everybody like having a grand old time together, that blew my yeah. mind too, right? Cause I, that I, changed everything yeah, for me. Yeah. Everything. It was amazing. Yeah. That's what I think like group sex spaces, right? Orgies and dungeons and conventions can be so damn healing, even if you don't mm-hmm. play, even if you're just going to look, because it gives you a sense of real humans having a real good time with each other um i th- i mean from my own sense of like i didn't start going to orgies until after i started you know getting older and getting a little saggier and a little a little fluffier everywhere and it's like oh man i'm like wasted my early 20s not going to orgies i'm like no like i have a way more sexual body now at 36 than i did when i was 22 and i have a way like i have way more dexterity and way more creativity and way more fun in bed than i did then than i did then and so it's like I like the idea of giving ourselves permission to age and to age sexually in front of other people. I think that's a really yeah. beautiful affirmation of just the human body. I mean, we should all be so lucky to age, right? So many people don't Absolutely. get the opportunity. So why yeah. wouldn't we want to stay sexual and vital as we age? And you're not 36 years old. You're level 36. So that's <laughs> much better than a level 22. Oh, my God. You guys are just so full of good stuff. I'm going to like. Hey, you know what? You know what? In three more levels, you get your flying, flying mouth. mouth. <laughs> I obviously need to up my D&D game because I have a feeling that just flew right over my head. That was a World of Warcraft oh, reference. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. No worries. Our geek foo is strong. Yeah. All it. right. So. I want to get personal a little bit because during our conversation, you have said that as a woman who has sex with women, as a person who is mostly lesbian, and then you proceeded to tell us about your partner who is a man who has a beard. So what's up with that? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I'm a, I am a queer person and I have gone through many different identities in my life, but I think I came out as bi and then I realized that I was probably pretty gay and then I identified as a lesbian for a long time. And then I fell in love with my current partner, Reed Mahalka. And I was like, well, this changes everything. And I basically had to grapple with these changing identities and have a lot of, I mean, I had a lot of concerns about losing my, not only my identity, but my community. I had heard so many horror stories about lesbians who kind of exercised from their, from their uh, communities because they found love with men. And so it was really, it was a complicated journey for me, but it was a really beautiful journey because I, A, got to, you know, be with one of the great loves of my life and B not have to give up intricate parts of my identity. Cause so Reed and I have an open relationship. I have a girlfriend and I have tried here and there to have sex with men. Cause like after being with Reed for a couple of years, I'm like, I'm probably bi again. I should figure this out. And so I'd have sex with men <laughs> and I'd be like, wah, wah. like it just didn't, it wasn't there for me. Right. And so I'm like, I think I'm pr- still pretty gay with just like one notable exception. Um, right. And so I wrote about all of this stuff because I, Feel like it's a journey that a lot of people have. I I know a lot of people more than concerns about their bodies or concerns about sex. They're actually concerned about their identity and they're concerned about like not fitting in or not knowing what label to choose, if any. And so I wrote about this in a collection of stories that I called Bad Dyke. And they're mm-hmm. all true stories about my life, about sex that I've had. And so a lot of it's just kind of silly, fun, like romps. But I think a lot, uh, some of the stories do kind of speak to that arc of you know, coming out as a dyke and being really proud of that identity and then having to reevaluate that and being concerned about that and what that might mean for me and who I am as a sex educator, who I am as as any sort of public figure, um, while, you know, still feeling like my identity is very intrinsic to who I am and how I move through the world. So I wanted to talk about that in a fun way, because again, that can be a really heavy topic, but I'm like, yeah. well, why don't we talk about that in terms of fucking? Yeah. And so, um, so <laughs> fucking I t- makes everything better. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So I start, I told a bunch of different stories on stage at this event called body storytelling that has come to Chicago and uh, San Francisco. And so I decided to kind of put them all together in a book called Bad Dyke to kind of create some sort of arc about 
that journey. So is Bad Dyke out yet? Is it coming out? Yeah, What's the, oh, coming out. That's like a, a I'm, hey, I think I'm bisexual <laughs> pun. Like, yeah, that's for me. <laughs> You know, it's been out for a couple of years and it's done really well. And I, that, that is actually an audiobook because uh, that was fun to be able to record those stories and tell them. Um, a lot of people think that the book is fiction and that's really not. All the stories are 100% true. Uh, but a lot of my Goodreads reviews are like, this can't possibly be true. And I'm like, oh, honey, you need to meet my friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that that's really important. It's, it's interesting because... I'm kind of seeing like generational stuff going on. Like Ken and I are almost 50, which is like, what? Like, I still feel 27. Um, you're in your. I, I feel 50. You feel. Like, <laughs> no, no, I've no, earned, no. I've earned those tiger stripes, my, my friend. My knees and my elbows feel almost 50. Yeah, my our, brain doesn't. Our, our 69 is more like a 68 with a sore back and knees at this point. Yeah. Or like an 11. We just kind of lay next well, yeah, to each other. Well, yeah, it's 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but like, okay, so. And I, I, I see millennials kind of have a different view of things. And now I see whatever the generation is coming up now, like that's in high school, that is my daughter's age. And I find that in one respect, when you are coming of age, it's very important to have your identity, to have labels and to be like, hey, this is what I am. I found my people. I found my label and that sort of thing. Uh, but this group of I don't even what are they called? They're not millennials. I don't know if we have a name for them yet. But oh, we do. I, I just read a great article in the Atlantic about it. Get off remember. my lawn is what I call them. <laughs> All right, fifty grandpa. Um but at the same time, they're very rejecting labels like, you know, I just am what I am. If if we're dating, we don't even have a title the kind Popeye of thing. Generation? No. <laughs> but but and that was one thing that that when my daughter came out, you know, she now identifies as pansexual and genderqueer. But at first she's like, hey, I'm a lesbian. And I was like, what is the diplomatic way of trying to tell her like, hey, things are fluid and life is long. And I'm not trying to poo poo you being I think that's great. But if things change, that's okay too. You know what I mean? I did. I, it was weird trying to balance like, I'm happy for you, but don't pigeonhole yourself into an identity because then if you find that you're becoming more fluid or changing, you're going to have some conflict. And eventually, yeah, now she's like, okay, yeah, I'm pansexual. You know what though? I felt like such a dick dad because I was so proud to have a lesbian daughter and like we, I, <laughs> I planned her. No, we, we did like a coming out thing for her and then she switched to being pansexual and I'm like, and, I, and they didn't tell me and I... <laughs> I kept calling her lesbian. I didn't know she was pansexual. And then I felt like the worst sex ed dad ever. <laughs> like, I had no idea Jeez, she was pansexual. I know, right? Like, get with it. And I'm like, I didn't know. I'm sorry. You're pansexual. I'm so, you know, are you still Faye? What's going on? I, I You know, I, I okay. <laughs> yeah, whatever you are. It's you still cool. like donuts, yeah. right? Yes. Okay, let's go get donuts. Okay, that's cool. Nice. That's, right, that's good. Right. I'm donut sexual. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she is, she's totally a donut sexual. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But do you do you see that that people are really grappling with identity or are you seeing that people are just being like, oh, throwing it to the wind, like I'm whatever, I'm fluid, I'm this today, that today, and they're cool with that? Yeah, I've definitely noticed a trend amongst younger people of the, yeah, like just labels are for food, man. Like the stuff that, you know, we thought we were really progressive for saying back in the 90s, that a lot of young kids are actually like really saying, no, like labels Back don't. in the 90s, I already had two kids yeah. and a station wagon and a... 80s, the 80s, <laughs> yeah. The yeah. 80s young start now. <laughs> yeah, totally. But that's, I, I think that, yeah, I have noticed that there is a trend of younger people to just not identify with the gender, not identify with the sexuality. And I, I have to think that it's probably indicated a little bit by living online a lot and you have kind of this amorphous, non-bodied type world online. And so you can just be a brain that's talking to other brains, uh, which is kind of cool, kind of cyborg, you know? But at the same time, yeah. I think there is a lot of freedom in a lot of young people choosing that. Now, of course, there are still going to be people who grapple with it. And there's still going to be plenty of kids who are ostracized by their parents and communities in certain places around the world for not fitting into certain molds. And I think that 
claiming a label can be a very powerful way of saying, you know, F you to all of those expectations of who you are. And so I think there's a lot of validity in choosing labels that feel good, and then also choosing away from labels when those labels no longer fit you. Um, right. I think what's really important to remember is like, language is just the way that humans have evolved to organize the world. Language does not define us, we get to define language, which is a very hard concept for some people. But like, even recently, when we started saying like, singular they is valid, right, as a pronoun. Uh, right. I think a lot of people had a hard time adjusting to that because they're saying, well, no, they means plural in English. What's well, like, but who says, right? Actually, right. human beings get to decide what works for us and how to define the world. And so we're going to say this is a better way of approaching the world. And so I think the same thing with lesbian. I know so few queer women who identify with the word lesbian now because it's been used as a as a violent word for a lot of yeah. people or queer right or any like there's so many different words that everyone has a different relationship to them and i encourage people to again find words that work for you and and use them in ways that help you find community define things for yourself and then when the word doesn't fit anymore you'd get a new one. Just toss it away, cherish it, put it in your, your sock drawer, and then just move on. Um, because I think one of the biggest problems that a lot of people have with sexuality is they claim an identity, they stake that identity, they, they decide that that is them, and then they force their behavior into that box as opposed to using words that work as they change. And we often police each other, right? Um, mm -hmm. When I was coming out as, you know, for the third time as being in love with a cis man, it was, it was very, you know, I had all these women come up to me and kind of whisper to me these stories of like, you know, like I was married to a man for many years and I still love him very much, but I would never tell my friends because I'm a lesbian. Or oh. my wife and I have sex with a man every other month. But we would never tell our friends because they would say well, we're not lesbians anymore. And I'm like, that's so gross. <laughs> like the idea yeah. that we say like, oh, you have to behave in XYZ way in order to be able to claim a certain label. That's that's not how human beings are. We are weird, mushy things. And we need to be able to have language work for us, not against us. Um, one of the things that we wanted to talk to you about as sort of a wrap up to our conversation with you is we wanted to talk a little bit about your fiction. And I have a long-standing argument with a friend of mine uh, that insists that vampires are the sexiest things ever. And I say to my friend, oh, no, no, my friend, au contraire, because <laughs> werewolves are obviously vastly superior. Because, number one, they're alive. There's not dead things that you're fucking. They're alive, and they're primal, and they're amazing with teeth and claws and all of this great stuff. And then, in addition to that... We gave our youngest daughter your books, and one day we came home, and I and I saw my daughter crying, and I'm like, "Honey, what's wrong?" I just got done, Allison. She was sobbing, she was sobbing days for like so, a couple hours. I haven't read it, but obviously, the, one of the endings is pretty damn intense. Aww. Kudos to you, my friend. Yeah. Kudos to you if you're getting that level of emotional cry. response. Yes, you yeah. totally. In a, in a good cathartic cry. It wasn't a bad cry. It was a... And, it, and she, she also it was a just, Harry Potter, uh, like J.K. Rowling right, level right. cry, though. It was that kind of a thing. So kudos to you. Thank but it was you. funny because she just reread it because she has a, she's a sophomore and she has a book report due. And she's like, oh, well, your first book is, is that Lunatic French? Is the yeah, first? Lunatic Wait, French is the first book. Lunatic French is the first book. And, and I, what's the title of the second one? Hungry Ghost. Hungry ah. Ghost. There we go. And so she's like, oh, I'm going to do my book report on that. We can do it on anything. And then she like rereads it. And, you know, a couple week later or whatever, she's like, I forgot there's a lot of sex in this book, and I don't know how I'm going to explain this to my English teacher. Yeah. I'm like, just kind of gloss over it. <laughs> just, just say as much as you have to, but don't get really, you know, yeah. and then they did the pussy hug, and yeah. there was silent duck fist. Like, don't, you know, yeah. go there. You know, I'm wondering how many people read these books and say, Ellison Moon, that can't be her real last name. She's <laughs> yeah. writing about werewolves. Well, finding titles for the werewolf books was actually really hard, because I'm like, uh, Blood Moon by Alice Moon, uh, Moon by Allison. It just sounded so damn cheesy, yeah. So yeah, that was a little bit of a challenge. But yeah, the, the I actually did have somebody, I had an agent say, you know, I could probably sell this to a traditional publisher if you just get rid of the fisting scene. And I'm like, nope. No, don't, yeah. don't stick to your guns. Yeah. yeah. Lesbian werewolves must fist. <laughs> you know, it helps. It's, it, it claw. Does. Claw. Claw. Okay. <laughs> so... I do have one question mm -hmm. because my I told my daughter that I was talking to you. Is there going to be a third book? That's so funny. I'm actually well, yes. 
ellipses. I, I'm working on a prequel right now, uh, which is just Archer's story, because Archer is, is the love interest in the first book, and she's pretty much everybody's favorite character, and then she disappears in the second book. And so people will be writing me and be like, where's Archer? Bring back the hot butch werewolf. And so I'm like, I'm bringing back the hot butch werewolf. Um, so I wanted, I'm writing her story starting with the Napoleonic Wars, uh, where she's <laughs> that, nice. is, that fighting, is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so she's fighting on behalf of Spain in the Napoleonic Wars, and then um, and she and her brother are interacting in various ways. I I I, I haven't quite gotten like a boner for this book yet. I really want to make it happen, um, but it might be another couple of years before it actually comes out. Just FYI, I'll make so. her be patient. She can just reread <laughs> the other two over and over and over. Oh, that's so sweet. Um, aw, is is Archer based on somebody in real life? Uh, my dream woman. Yeah, no, she's a purely <laughs> fictional character of just like, how, how can I create the hottest lesbian ever? And I'm like, I think I did a pretty good job. You yeah. did. <laughs> Thank nice. you. And nice. I do agree with you, Ken, that, that werewolves are far sexier than vampires. Thank you. I'm on Team Werewolf all the way. Team Vindicated. Werewolf. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. Well, we're at the end of our time. And first of all, I want to thank you for this conversation. I've had a blast talking about the stuff we talked about. Thank you. Me too. And I and I wanted to add thank you for the awesome t-shirts that both you and Reed make, by the way. So like <laughs> Reed like coined the term sex geek. And I don't know where you get the like the perfectly Ken fitting t-shirts that he has, oh. but like it's better than everybody else out there. And Sonny consistently wears your t-shirt. So we are representing... Aww. Uh, team Moon slash Mahalco oh, in our house all the so time. Much. I appreciate totally. that. Yeah, yeah. The the Eat Fuck Hal shirts are no longer in print, so you have a you have a collector's Ooh. item there. Nice. If that's the one that you have. Nice. I don't know if you. No, have I actually have the one with the with like the fifth. Oh yeah, yeah. Those are yeah. actually those are all out of print. So you you're definitely Ooh, you're rocking cool. a limited edition. Sweet. <laughs> I feel like a true hipster. It's vintage. <laughs> nice. I got that t- that tank top you on got the it vinyl. vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So- <laughs> Where can our listeners find you now? I'm going to put in our show notes like a big long, like here's your books and here's your But for the quick bing, bang, boom, where can they go? Girlsex101.com uh, is where you can find me. And then on Twitter at either Hey Alley Moon or at Girlsex101. Awesome. Well, thank you for this conversation. Thank and, you. Uh, go, I don't even know. I, I have werewolf. so many things. Uh, go werewolf go stick your finger in soup. Go follow like a <laughs> werewolf. Go. And do all of them at once. Yeah. <laughs> Something about donuts or Werther's can I don't know. Go don't, do something fun. My next D&D so. character is going to be a monk that knows the hidden duck style of Kung Fu. Though, and nobody at the table will understand except for me and a few select others. What I about think. what about Tung Fu? Ooh, maybe, Ooh. Nah, hidden duck is better. I okay. Think. All right. All right. We're out. We're out. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag SciChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.